thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. When I rewind over the last 12 months, I've realised that God's really been doing a work in me. Um, uh, before, just to give you some background, before I became a Christian, I was very self-conscious about the way I looked, very self-conscious about how people perceived me. Um, was completely convinced that I wasn't particularly liked, spent a lot of my time trying to be something that I wasn't. Um, and this went on for, this has been going on for quite a while. And then um, after I became a Christian, I, I um, became very aware that God wanted to do a work in me, um, that he wanted to sort of concentrate on what was going on on the inside really. Um, although I was trying to yo-yo, you know, I was yo-yo dieting, um, I really felt that God was, was was kind of saying that I needed to kind of tackle the root of the problem was to more to do with what was going on inside. Um, so over a period of time, God's been really dealing with me there and um, um, teaching me things and showing me and, and just bringing me into a, a better place to start start to like myself more and have a better attitude towards um, being fit and healthy. And then um, 12 months ago, um, over that period of time, I, I my weight ballooned and uh, I got to the biggest size I'd, I'd ever been and I felt that God had brought me to a place 12 months ago, sort of January, February last year, where um, he said I was ready to tackle the outside um, and he kind of provided me with a slimming group to go to that fitted in with my hours, suited uh, just my lifestyle, what with being a working mum and all that sort of thing and um, I I've now lost four and a half stone and still counting. I do exercise, which is virtually unheard of for me, but um, I really enjoy it. I've found things that I like doing, uh, which I feel I'll stick at. And um, as a consequence of all this, my confidence has grown in many areas and and has particularly um, helped me to step out more and and sort of work towards the things that I feel God's calling me to. and And so I'm now kind of keeping my eyes on him and trusting in him. Hey everyone, uh, welcome to our online service. Thank you for being part of our service wherever you are. And that was great, wasn't it? Rachel just sharing her struggle, something. And we sang that song just before, this is how I fight my battles. And a battle is like a struggle. And you know, we all have struggles, whether they're the personal struggles, like you heard Rachel talk about her confidence and her issue with how she looked and who she, how she was. And whether it's that kind of personal struggle or the epidemic, the pandemic that we're all in at the moment, coronavirus. And, uh, and you, know, you know, we have struggles. They're part of life. And, uh, and I want to say to you as lead pastor at Life Central, guys, if you're connecting in and you're part of Hales Owen or you're part of Hagley or part of Rowley, big shout out to you. So good that you're able to connect with us today. But maybe you're part of our church in Albania as well. We watched your service, guys, online. You're doing an amazing job and we love you so much. And, but we know, as Andy and Beth said earlier on, many people are uh, connecting with us from other churches, from no church at all, from other countries. And, and we're really glad that you're with us. And, and I've got, I'm so excited about what I want to share with you guys today. I wish I could be with you, um, but I'm hopefully with you in your living room right now. And you know, we're looking at this whole idea of struggles. And um, you know, the dictionary defines a struggle as to experience difficulty, to try very hard to do, achieve or deal with something that is difficult and causes problems. Or a struggle is an effort to get free from something. 
And you know, when you're in a struggle, whether it's a personal one or whether it's a global one like we're in, I think you're asking three questions. You're often asking why. Then you're asking the question like when, you know, like when is this going to end? And then you're asking the question how. And I don't know about you, but as I heard the news on, on Friday that we are in this lockdown for at least another three weeks, possibly and probably longer, I thought to myself, we've only been in it four weeks and it feels like an eternity. And so I'm starting to ask the question, okay, this is now not a sprint, this is a marathon. How are we going to get through this struggle? And is there something or someone bigger than our struggles? Well, our theme today is bigger than our struggles. There is something and there is someone bigger than your struggle. Bigger than that personal struggle. Bigger than that family struggle. Bigger than that financial struggle. Bigger than this global struggle. There is something and there is someone bigger than our struggles. Now, the idea I wanna, I wanna talk to you about today, and you might push this back, okay, or flick off onto something else because you might not like this, but this is the idea I want you to get your heads around. Struggle is a gift to be opened. Now, I don't know about you, but when I get a gift, I want to open it, okay? But if I had a box and it had struggle on the outside, I'm not sure I'd want to dive into that. But I want to suggest struggle is a gift to be opened. If we embrace it, I'm not saying it's great or it's good. In fact, this is not. What we're in right now is not good. It's horrendous what we're in. But in the middle of that struggle, there is a gift to be opened if we can do it. How we're going to look at that today is we're going to look at a book in the Bible in the, Old, in the New Testament called the book of Hebrews. And uh, this book, let me give you a bit of background. This book was written to a group of people that were, that were early followers of Jesus. The church, uh, Jesus had died and was resurrected. Last week was Easter. He descended to heaven. He uh, sent his Holy Spirit. Um, and uh, the church had, was born. And then the church was beginning to grow. But by the time the book of Hebrews is written, the church is going through a really tough time. In fact, these guys are going through what we call persecution. And actually, they were in a lockdown of their own. It wasn't a lockdown caused by a pandemic. It was a lockdown caused by persecution. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, hey, you guys, you began really well. If this is a race, you started really well. But now you realise this is a marathon, not a sprint. And here's the thing. Now, I'm not a runner, okay? I don't know anything about running. But I do know you don't run a marathon like you run a sprint. If you try to run a marathon like you run a sprint, you're going to be in big trouble. And the writer of Hebrews is saying to these guys, hey, you're in the middle of this lockdown. You're in the middle of this persecution and you're in the middle of the marathon, the struggle. And actually what's happening is you're beginning to lose your confidence. You're beginning to drift back. You're beginning to lose your hope. And so the book of Hebrews is written to a group of people in the middle of a struggle. And the writer is saying there's something and there is someone bigger than your struggles. And I think these guys and girls in this early church who were reading this book, they weren't asking the why question. They weren't asking the when question. They were asking the how. How are we going to make it? I don't know about you, but I'm asking that question as well. You know, how am I going to make it? If we're going to be in lockdown for another three, four, five, six, whoever knows weeks, how are we going to make it? And not just survive, but to thrive as God would want us to do. And so this is the reality that we're in. And struggle is a gift that has to be opened. How are we going to do it? I want to share just three ideas with you today. Number one, the past gives you perspective. The past gives you perspective. Let's look in Hebrews chapter 11. And Hebrews chapter 11 is an amazing chapter, but I'm going to read a few verses from verse 32 to 35. 
And if you're watching on church online, there's a Bible um, tab that you can do. But if not, then you can switch your own Bible on if you've got one or whatever. But let me read some verses. It says, how much more do I need to say? Like the writer said loads in Hebrews 11. And he's talked about these guys and girls from the past. He talked about Abraham and Moses and Joseph and, and whatever. And, he, and then he comes, how much more do I need to say? Take too long. I could tell you the stories, I could recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel and all the prophets. Then he goes on to say what they did in the middle of their struggle. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, reference to Daniel, quenched the flames of fire and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from the death. You, you, you know, what these guys are saying, and I think what God wants to say to you today and to me is this. Listen, we are not the first generation to go through struggle. We're not. In fact, in the, in the beginning of January, um, we have a, 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 an event here. We used to have an event here when we were able to gather called Encounter. And in the first one in January, I talked about the 20s. I talked about moving into a new decade. And I, I talked about 100 years ago in the 1920s that was called the Roaring 20s and suggested that maybe in these 20s that we're in, maybe God wants to roar throughout the world. And I said, this is like three, four months ago, I said that the 1920s started with a global pandemic called the Spanish flu and ended with the Great Depression in the 1930s. Now, I don't want to be a prophet of doom here, but 100 years later, it kind of feels a little bit similar. And I think God wants us to know, hey, we may be the first generation that's experienced coronavirus, but we're not the first generation that's going through a struggle. We're not the first generation. And we need to look back to the past to give us some perspective. You know, Jesus said, you're going to have trouble in this world. You're going to have struggle in this world. Um, he was kind of giving us a heads up. Just because you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, we're not immune or, or exempt from struggle, whether it's personal, family or global. A guy called John Wimber who started the Vineyard Church movement back in the 80s and he's passed away now. But he said this, he said, the good news is Jesus is praying for you. The bad news, you're gonna need it. And I think when you're in the middle of a struggle, you really need to get some perspective from the past and these guys and girls from the past, they've got so much to say. You see, when you're in the middle of struggle, various things happen. You see, what happens to people when you're in the middle of struggle, especially when it's a marathon, not a sprint, is that number one, people lose perspective. Now, I use this illustration many times with people in the room, so I don't know whether it's going to work right now with a screen, but I'm going to try it anyway. So if you're watching, okay, I want you to close one eye and then put a th your thumb in front of the other open eye and then try and look at me through your thumb and past your thumb. Can you do that? I'm just waiting for some of you to do it, okay? Sat on your seat, settees or whatever. So try to do that. Now, the reality is what looks bigger to you, my thumb or me, or your thumb or me, actually, it's going to be your thumb. Because what happens when you lose perspective is what's big appears small and what's small appears big. What's close appears far away and what's far away appears close. And in times of crisis, I think crisis amplifies what's in us. And so we see this loss of perspective, but we also see the good things. So we see crazy stuff and we see courageous stuff. We see bizarre stuff and we see beautiful stuff. We see selfish stuff and we see selfless. We see hateful and we see heroic. It kind of the perspective goes. And the other thing that happens in crisis is that we lose our perspective of God. 
Again, a story I've told for some of you Life Central guys, you'll know this story, but I think this is so relevant and, 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 and maybe fresh um, in a time like this. When our youngest son, Simeon, He's got complex special needs and learning disabilities. He's 25 now, but cognitively in his head, he's about four or five. And when he was a little lad, um, he, he had no fear of animals. So like he'd walk up to a, a, a Rottweiler dog in the street and just put his face right in front of the dog's face. Um, or he'd walk up to you know, animals and he just loved animals. And, and one day I um, was taking him uh, to Westminster Safari Park and he was in the back seat of the car and that, this was in the day when one of us could take him out. Those days have long gone, unfortunately. Um, but he was in the back and I was in the front. And as we went into the lion enclosure, it was a very hot day, very busy day, lots of traffic there. And um, uh, there was a big male lion lying by the side of the road. And, um, and he looked at the lion and he went, oh, cat. And he went to open the door and I thought, door locks, door locks, but I hadn't put the door lock on. And so he opened the door to go stroke the cat, which was a male lion. I've never moved so fast in all my life. And can I just say, if you're watching this, okay, please don't tell my wife. She doesn't know that I've forgotten. Okay, she's probably watching it as well. That's gone. Anyway, I grabbed him, pulled him in and that was it. Wow, no fear of animals. But then one day we're walking through a park and he sees a massive shire horse in the distance and the horse looks small. So he wants to walk towards the horse. But as he gets towards the horse, he suddenly sees that the horse is so much bigger than him. And for the first time ever, he has fear. And he lifts his arms up like that. And I know what that sign means. And so I lift him up and I put him on my shoulders. And in an instant, the fear goes. Why? Because everything looks different when you're on the arms of your daddy. And that sense of perspective is so important. And maybe today, in the middle of your struggle or in the middle of our corporate struggle, maybe you've lost some perspective. I want to encourage you. Get yourself on the shoulders of your daddy again. Everything looks different when you're on the shoulders of your daddy. That's why worship is so important. That's why, guys, that we at Life Central, we're saying to all of our guys and girls, hey, don't start the day with the news. Start the day with God. And so every day over these next few days or next few weeks, however long it takes, you're going to get a daily devotional from one of our guys or girls in the church. And so I want to encourage you, start the day with God. Don't start the day with the news. Perspective is so important. But the other thing that happens, I think the pastor would tell us, is, is, to give us perspective, is not only do we lose perspective, but also in struggles, people become heroes. In Hebrews 11, you can hear about Abraham and Moses and Samson and Deborah and Gideon and Daniel and all these guys and girls. I want to say, let the heroes of the old call out the hero in you. Let the heroes of the old call out the hero in you. Your struggles are bigger than just you. Your struggles are bigger than your story. They're part of a global story. They're part of God's story across the planet. And you might say, oh, I'm not a hero. Really? There's some heroes out there. What about Captain Tom Morgan, who at the age of 100 is walking around and raised so far over 22 million pounds for the NHS? What a hero. But you know, there are other heroes as well. For all you out there who, and you're on the front line of health and social care, you are heroes. You're absolute heroes. In the middle of your struggle, there's something bigger than you and you're a hero. But all those guys and girls, if you're, if you're opening shops up, if you're delivering, if you're taking our bins away, if you're looking after our kids, if you're doing all these things, you're heroes. But you know, those of you who are staying in your home and you're protecting the NHS and you're saving lives, even though you wanna go out, you're heroes too. Those of you that are trying to look after your family, some of you, you're on your own looking after your kids, you're heroes. Those of you trying to keep small businesses open, your heroes. There's so many heroes. And I think the past would call out to you to say, hey, in your struggle, don't give up. 
Don't look down. Look up, look forward and be a hero. Let the heroes of the old call out the heroes in you. I wanna say our staff team are heroes. You know, many of them, some of them we've furloughed them because their job is no longer um, operational and we've had to do that because we wanna protect jobs for the future and because their job, uh, they can't do their job right now. But, but some of the other staff, they've learned new skills every day. They're working so hard day and night so that we can stay connected and we can stay communicating the truth of Jesus and they're absolute heroes. You know, in the future, we're gonna tell stories about this period and time. And I love this quote from a guy called Andy Stanley, who's the leader of North Point Church in Atlanta. He said this, when the story of COVID-19 is just a story we tell, let's make sure our stories are worth telling. Isn't that amazing? Just look at that for a moment. When the story of COVID-19 is just a story we tell, let's make sure our stories are stories worth telling. You know, you and I are living through history right now. The guys in Hebrews 11, that's the history story. And they're from the past, they give us perspective and they say, you're not the first generation to go through struggles, but you can make it and make sure you're telling great stories of God and great stories of courage and great stories of faith in the future. Struggle is a gift to be open. The past gives you perspective. But number two, the present gives you choice. The present gives you choice. And then it goes on to say, but others... The writer says, were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. And it goes on to say, some of them were tortured and beaten and they lost their life. And it says, all these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. Not because of the result of what happened, but because of their faith, how they endured their struggle. Yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. You know, these guys and girls in Hebrews 11, none of them chose the struggle they were in. None of them got to choose the context. None of them got to choose the race they were running, but they all got to choose how they responded. And the present gives us an amazing gift of the ability to choose. And you know, and you might say, well, all of my choices are gone. I can't do this and I can't do that. No, you can't, but yes, you can. Yes, you can, because in the middle of what you're going through, you can choose. You can choose how you are going to respond. They didn't get to choose that, but when you embrace that gift, then you get to choose. And listen, we all mess up. We all fail. You know, me and my wife, we've been married for 30 years, 31 years. Uh, we've been together for, for, for a long time. And, you know, we love each other and it's great. But, you know, we're learning what that looks like and uh, to, to work it out at home in the same space all the time. And sometimes we mess up. But you know, the only time you really fail, guys, is when you stop struggling. But when you keep struggling and when you keep enduring and when you keep running the race, then actually you're not messing up at all. You're not failing at all. You're actually succeeding. And I think that's what God would say to every single one of us. You know, in the TV series Lost, Charlie struggles with drug addiction. And he struggles and struggles and struggles and, uh, and he's almost gonna give up the struggle. And then Locke, this other character, shows him a very simple illustration from nature. And this is an illustration about struggle. And if Charlie would choose in the present to make the right choice, everything about his future story could change. Take a look. What do you suppose is in the cocoon, Charlie? I don't know, a, a butterfly, I guess? It's much more beautiful than that. That's a moth cocoon. It's ironic, butterflies get all the attention, but moths, they spin silk. 
They're stronger, they're faster. That's wonderful, but you see this little hole? This moth's just about to emerge. It's in there right now, struggling. It's digging its way through the thick hide of the cocoon. Now, I could help it. Take my knife, gently widen the opening, and the moth would be free. But it would be too weak to survive. Struggle is nature's way of strengthening it. Now, this is the second time you've asked me for your drugs back. Ask me again, and it's yours. I guess you all want to know how it turned out. You'll have to watch the series if you haven't seen it. But you know, he says that amazing line, struggle is nature's way of strengthening it. And guys, I don't think God has caused this at all. But I do think in this struggle that we're all in, there's something amazing that could go on inside of us if we'd embrace this gift of struggle. And that means we've got to choose to do that right now. You know, our kids, you know, your kids, if you've got teenagers or kids in the house, they're going to tell stories in the future. Uh, it almost like, you know, you know, those stories that, you know, we lived through the war. Your kids are going to say, we lived through COVID-19. What stories are they going to tell? Some of it will be dependent on your choices as parents right now. You know, is, is, is your faith as a family going to go deeper in this series? That's a struggle, but it's your choice of how you're going to engage with that struggle. You know, are we going to invite other people into faith? Are we going to invite people online to connect in with us? You know, maybe those are some of the stories that we tell. We're already hearing amazing stories of people who've been invited online, not just at our church, but other churches, and they found Jesus in the middle of this struggle. Those are the kind of stories worth telling. And the present gives you a choice of how you are going to be. And you know, then we move uh, from Hebrews 11 to Hebrews 12. In the Bible, there was no chapters. So when it says in Hebrews 11, you know, um, these guys and girls, they won't reach their perfection without us. Then in Hebrews 12 and from the Passion, it says, as for us, we have all these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must let go of every wound that has been pierced us and the sin that we so easily fall into. Then we will be able to run life's marathon race. That's what it says in the Passion. Or, or in other words, I want, to, I want to just change that. We'll be able to run life's struggle. We'll be able to go through the struggle with passion and determination for the path has already been marked out before us. And that idea there that the writer says is like of a group of people, like, a, like all these people in Hebrews 11 are like a crowd of witnesses, the Bible says. But the word that's used for witness is the, word, is the root word of where we get the word martyr, someone who gives their life for what they believe. Uh, and that means that if you imagine a stadium, you've got a, like a whole stadium full of people. They're the witnesses and they're cheering us on. But they're not the, they're not the fans like at football matches, okay? The, the, you know, the middle-aged fat guys like me that are watching the football team and we know how it should be played and we're cheering them on. Like, you know, a few years ago, my, my team, the, the once great and mighty Aston Villa, not so great and mighty now. And, and I was watching them. This was before we were relegated first time a few years ago. And I was watching um, one night, um, a midweek game, and I got so into it, I'm a little bit passionate. And there was one of our players, and every time he touched the ball, it just didn't work for him. And in the end, I got so annoyed. I started shouting at this guy. I mean, it, I wasn't horrible, and I didn't swear or anything, but I was shouting at this guy. And then all of a sudden, a woman in front of me turned around. She says, do you mind? That's my nephew you're shouting at. I felt absolutely dreadful. There's me as a pastor, just being told off and shouting at this woman's nephew. After, the, after that, every time this fella got the ball, I'm like, amazing. 
you're so great, you're so incredible. Um, but the funny thing was, we then sold that guy, he went to another team and they won the Premier League. So it shows you how much I know, doesn't it? But this is the point, and, but actually the writer's not saying that. He's not saying that these guys and girls are like a big crowd of, 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 of would-be players that are telling you how to run it. No, no, these are people who've run it. They've run their race, they've struggled, they've endured and they're telling you, you can do it. And that's amazing, amazing. And what would they say to us? I think they'd say this. They'd say, focus on what you can control, not what you can't. You know, in this time of coronavirus, there's so much we can't control, but there's so much we can. We can choose our decisions. We can choose whether we start the day with Jesus or start the day with the news. We've got control over our routine and our rhythms, where and how we invest our choices. They say, focus on what you can control. But secondly, they say this, and this is so important. Be careful of the places you visit and the places you live. What do I mean? This is a phrase a friend of mine um, shared recently in a meeting I was at, and it's really hit me. And he's basically saying this, there are places that you visit in your mind, and that's okay because you're human, but you can choose not to live there. So let me tell you, these last four weeks, I found it really hard at times. And I found myself in my mind and in my heart visiting places I never thought I'd visit. So I visited this place of anxiety. I visited a place of um, feeling overwhelmed and fearful and panic and sadness and anger. And we'll do that. We'll visit those places because we're human. But you've got to choose. Are you going to visit there or are you going to live there? That's the choice that you and I can make. Number three, the future gives you hope. The future gives you hope. Hebrews 12, it says this, we look away from the natural realm. So we choose to look away a little bit from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his. Wow, he endured the agony of the cross and he conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. So consider carefully how Jesus faced such intense opposition from sinners who oppose their own souls so that you won't become worn down or cave in under life's pressures. You see, the Bible often gives us perspective from the past and gives us a choice in the present, but our hope and motivation comes in the future. As we look forward, as we look to Jesus, who ran the race, who endured the struggle, who opened the gift box of struggle. And why did he do it? Because he found that that through doing it, he could then have a relationship with you and me 2,000 years later, which is amazing. And I think he'd say to you and I today, hey, however long this lockdown is, you can do it. And and, and we can say, we don't want to do it. And Jesus says, yeah, but you can do it and you can do it because I am going to be with you. So we keep our eyes focused on him and we endure. So as I finish, what do we actually do? Okay, where's the application? What do I actually do in the struggle? Well, again, perspective from the past. I'm not the first generation. I choose in the present. I make really good choices. I keep my eyes focused on Jesus and the future. That's where my hope is. I control what I can and I give up what I can't. And I choose the places I visit and the places that I live. But you know, there's some other practical things you and I can do. Because in Hebrews chapter 13, again, the early church is in lockdown through persecution. But the writer says this, and he says, hey, while you're in that situation, keep loving each other. I want to encourage you guys, keep loving each other. Keep reaching out, keep phoning, keep texting, keep WhatsApping. You can practice hospitality to strangers. You can remember those in prison. 
had a great message this week on our Facebook page and it said, hey, could you tell this family, they go to your church, we are so grateful, they dropped some Easter eggs on our door last week. This lady is, is, is a lady who's pregnant, who's self-isolating with her other kids for three weeks. None of them have been out the house. And one of our families from the church dropped some Easter eggs on their door and it made their weekend. So you can do that. <laughs> and you know, the other thing you can do is you can build marriages during lockdown. We were chatting on Friday night with some friends of ours, a young couple uh, from another church and, and they told us that they've decided during this to, to do a marriage course online to strengthen their marriage. What an incredible thing that you, you can do that. You can be generous some of you have asked, how can you give to the work of the church when, when you don't come to, to offerings? And you can do that. And we'd love to help you with that. Uh, and you can pray for leaders. There's so much that you can do in lockdown. Struggle is a gift to be opened. And I want to encourage you this morning to open that gift of struggle. And why is struggle such a gift? Because through it all, we get to grow. Through it all, we become bigger than we were before. It's not only that God is bigger than our struggles, it's that through struggle, we become bigger than we were before. Rick Warren, this amazing leader said, God is far more interested in your character than he is in your comfort. And so as we open the gift of struggle, we receive one of the greatest gifts there is, guys. You and I, through this season, we get to grow. How do we grow? By strength or resolve? Can we make it so? Can we shape the course of our lives according to our purpose and designs? Or add a single hour to the measure of our time? How can we ever venture into what is unknown when we are incapable of the smallest change on our own? Looking back over the span of our lives, we can see the marks that testify to how far we've come, how much we've grown, how much of His grace we have been shown. The marks of maturity on our lives, the evidence of the work of Christ, the seed that He has planted in our heart. The Lord has also watered and will refine every part. It is His intention to give it growth. Until it comes to fruition, He has sealed it with His oath. That He who began this good work in you will see it through. In this lies our hope, not in what we do. But we do not grow alone. Our roots are intertwined, one with another so that your strength is mine. While we wait in expectation, no growth can be seen. The tender shoots that so quickly spring up must grow strong, lest they remain frail and green. Would we be overwhelmed by perils in store that His timing seeks to prepare us for? Let us endure our trials with patience for it's in His goodness that we trust and hold fast to our commitment 
resting in his faithfulness to us. His goal is for our good. On this our assurance falls, that he who began this good work will surely make it grow tall. His goal for us is our good. And he who began a good work in us will surely make it grow tall. But you know, it's, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And, and knowing God means that actually you'll go through this struggle, not on your own, but with him, who is bigger than any of our struggles. And why? It says that, and we read it in the Bible, so that you won't become worn down and cave in under life's pressures. I want to finish before we sing a final song and I want to give you an opportunity to respond in a moment. I want to, I want to just tell one final story. And you know, some of you will know this story, but, 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 it, but it's such an iconic story. In 1992 in the Barcelona Olympics, Derek Redmond was one of our uh, 400 meter runners and, and he was, he was favourite for the gold and he was blasting everyone away and got to the semi-finals and the stadium's full. And imagine all these other people, you know, like, like, like people that, wanted to cheer running on but weren't runners you know in the stadium and, and, and he's and he's on the blocks and he's ready and he and, and the gun goes and he shoots off and he's and he's, he's fast away and, and he's doing great and then round this bend he pulls a hamstring and he hits the floor and all the other runners go past him and they cross the finishing line but the amazing thing was the cameras went to Derek Redmond and he and he got up and, he, and he's hobbling and, he, and he's still trying to finish he's still trying to struggle his way through the end of the race and that was amazing enough and that was inspiring, seeing that he wasn't going to win the race. In fact, everyone else had finished, but he was going to struggle his way to the end. But that wasn't the most inspiring thing. The most inspiring thing was that the cameras then went to the, to the stands and there was a big guy pushing his way through the crowd and then pushing his way through the security guards. And it was Jim Redmond, Derek's father. And he went up to him and he leant down as his son was getting up and beginning to struggle. And he put his arm around him and he said to him, hey, you don't have to do this. But if you're gonna do it, we're gonna do it together. And so cameras all around the world and people still talk about it now 30 odd years later. You, you know, they saw this father putting his arm, he gets down from the stands onto the track, puts his arms around us and gets us over the finishing line. And guys, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, that's the great news that God didn't stay out there in heaven, but He put Himself on the track in the form of Jesus. And He ran that race so that you and I could have a relationship with Him. And then whatever struggle we're going through, we don't have to go through it on our own. And if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, or maybe you used to believe, but you stop believing right now in the middle of coronavirus, in the middle of our struggle, you can know Him because He already knows you. And I wanna lead you in a little prayer. And all you need to do right now, all you need to do right now, if you're watching on church online, there's gonna be a little hand coming up and you just click that hand to say, that's me. I wanna give my life to Jesus or I wanna come back to Jesus. And maybe you're feeling isolated on your own, but you know that He's coming and you can do that right now. So if that's you, I want you to indicate right now that you wanna give your life to Jesus or you wanna come back to Jesus. You just click on that hand as I pray for you right now. Jesus, I wanna pray for anybody watching, maybe responding to you right now. God, in the middle of our struggle, God, there is something and there is someone bigger than our struggle and His Name is Jesus. And so Lord, I pray that there would be people responding and they would know that You are the God who left the stands and came down on the track to help us in this struggle that we call life. In Jesus' Name. 
And guys, if you are watching and you are a believer and, but you're in a struggle right now and you're needing to know God in the middle of it, as we sing our final song, I want you to not just to watch it, okay? Like you'd watch another YouTube clip. I want you to really engage with this song because this song reminds us and this is such a powerful song for this season of struggle we're in. We sang Surrounded, that's a great song. But this one, he's a way maker. He's a miracle worker. He's a promise keeper. That's who our God is. And so in the middle of our struggle, we get perspective from the past. We choose in the present, but we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and our eyes fixed on the future. That's where our hope is. And if you're watching this on demand sometime later and you'd like to connect with us or you'd like to respond, if you go to our website, lifecentralchurch.org.uk, look for the next steps card. It's on the home page. Click on that, fill in that card and we would love to respond to you and connect with you as well. So guys, let's sing this incredible song together, Waymaker.